to say, so I'm a writer for the government. Like the Batman of coffee. <laughs> yeah, a lot less cooler version <laughs> of the Batman for coffee. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Why Bother, the podcast where we explore why creative people bother doing things the hard way. I'm your host, Gareth Davies from Maker House. I'm here with Will Wells, the founder of the Artery Community Roasters. Thanks, Will, for joining us. Thanks, Gareth. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, so excited to dive in. Um, we've been working together for a few years, yeah. selling your coffee at the shop. I've admired your business for longer than that. We even have a bit of a personal connection through one of my high school friends. Yeah. So we're going to learn a bit about the backstory of the artery, um, why Will got into this, the motivation, also what else he does in his day job. Um, so let's dive in. For sure. We'd like to start with some fun, a little rapid fire. All right. We call this bother or not. So those are your two answers. Here we go. It is winter now, so I'm going to throw out some seasonal stuff like cross-country skiing. Bother. I like it. All right. Pineapple on pizza. Bother. I like it. All right. TikTok. Not bother. <laughs> too much work. <laughs> All right. Too much work. Uh, you're a coffee guy, obviously. Uh, cream and sugar. Not bother. Straight. Oh, yeah. Black. <laughs> All right. Um, eggnog. Not bother. No. No. Not okay. Thing, okay. <laughs> uh, what about a Yule log? I don't even know what a Yule log really is. So not bother. I think it's, just, I guess. it's just a cake. I thought I was, I was like, it's either a cake or something you put in the fire. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna yeah. say maybe okay. fire version. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, not bother. Yeah. <laughs> cake version. <laughs> I've never, I don't even know if I've had it before. Is it like fruitcake? Uh, I'm going to say not bother. I don't know. <laughs> All right. He's being shy about the good luck. Uh, on that note, fruitcake. Not bother. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Who eats fruitcake? I assume the U-log was kind of like a fruitcake. So. That's why you were not bothering. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for playing bother, not bother. Let's get into more of the backstory. This is why people are tuning in. They want to know more about the artery. Um, so obviously running your own business, it's not an easy thing. Well, first of all, tell people what, what is your day job and uh, you still have it. Uh, and then when did you make the pivot and why did you bother jumping into your own coffee roastery? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm a public servant by day and a coffee roaster by night, as I like to say. So I'm a writer for the government. Like the Batman of coffee. <laughs> yeah, a lot less cooler version <laughs> of the Batman for coffee. But uh, yeah, so a public servant and still do that. And I have a really supportive team that lets me do things like this you know i can take time off and and uh do kind of stuff and then i can uh not sleep and roast coffee till the <laughs> hours of the night and obviously drink it to keep <laughs> you awake. yeah right and uh yeah and the way i got into it is i've been a volunteer with this organization called able to which is formerly citizen advocacy and just around the corner here on parkdale yeah and um for a long time i'd you know volunteer people with disabilities and and befriended people with disabilities and the one constant theme i heard from my friends was you know we have some social supports we have some health supports and those aren't always ideal but at least they have those things mm -hmm. but one thing that they didn't really have was like worthwhile meaningful employment so a lot of people with disabilities kind of get these like tokenism hires where they're uh, given like a volunteer position and I always tell the story of one of my employees when she first started with me and at the time our salary started around 1650 an hour and now we're uh, 1960 an hour to keep up with living wage nice. and um, so when I first told her 16 dollars an hour or 16 dollars she said oh for the day and I said no 
per hour. Right. And she was kind of flabbergasted because her previous job, she was making $3 a day. So just oh to give you an idea of like some people with disabilities are really taking advantage of. And so, uh, you know, one thing I really want to do was just create somewhere where people could get, you know, experience and, and uh, support network and just have a, you know, meaningful employment and paid at a living wage. So we already have uh, six employees and most of them are working part time, uh, but they all get paid a living wage and they all kind of belong to the artery uh, network, which is not something a lot of us take for granted going to work, you know, sometimes going to work is a drag and, uh, but for some people who never really had that experience and maybe don't have as big a support network, uh, as other people do, uh, that's something pretty meaningful to go somewhere where you have friends, where you have a sense of belonging, where you have a sense of purpose. So for me, that's kind of in a nutshell, why I kind of jumped in and, and, uh, and we started in December, 2020. So it was just wow. kind of like, uh, my friend who, uh, Ian Fraser, who was the director at run Ottawa had a space for us and said, uh, why don't you try it out? And uh, so I, all this this dream I'd been telling people kind of went into fruition in about two months, and uh, we That's started incredible. the artery. Yeah. So you're you're almost three years in, yeah, three years in right now, and it all started with that motivation was really employment for people with disabilities, your friends, people you've been working with yeah. through Able to. Um, first of all, just kudos. Like I can't say it enough how impressive that is uh, on you and. Obviously, that's a, a community that deserves meaningful employment as much as anybody on top of those other supports that you mentioned. Um, why coffee? Yeah. Because true. you could theoretically create meaningful employment For sure, through yeah. other means. But uh, is coffee a passion that you Yeah. So, have? I mean, I just I love coffee and uh, coffee is something that I, I used to kind of. I'd always been a coffee roaster, quote unquote, or a home roaster. And I'd been roasting coffee in my garage for a while and doing it for friends, doing it for family, doing it for charity events. Um, so I always thought that the social enterprise idea I had would involve coffee. And originally I thought it'd be more of a, a coffee shop model, but I thought back to like the days where I was a barista and like, how much I hated that job. Yeah, so it's demanding. It's position. one of the hardest jobs. So like, I was just like, I don't want to necessarily put people through that. So I was direct like, customer. Yeah, you know, so I was like, like, can you draw a little face in my yeah, lot? Right. Yeah. And it's just people always upset about the texture of the milk. Anyways, there's a whole, it's a whole <laughs> thing. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to do the back end, and, and I can focus more on uh, producing quality coffee on sourcing quality coffee. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you've been embraced by the community. I know our customers at maker house, uh, your coffee is our bestseller uh, far and away. And I think people really gravitate towards the meaning of the social enterprise. You put it right out there. Even the name, the artery is about like the heart and the heartbeat of the community. Yeah. Uh, so I think you nailed all of that and your messaging is really strong. And and you also you know live it. You walk the walk. Uh, it's not just talk with you guys. Uh, you have a living wage to start with your employees. You're one of a handful of businesses in Ottawa that are are doing that, that are leading on that. Um, so that really resonates with customers. Yeah. Is that what you've been finding in the three years? For sure. And I think like an important part for me was also matching the quality with the ethics. So it's great to have um, that ethical model of hiring and stuff too. But I also wanted to make sure that when people actually bought the coffee, they loved it. So I always kind of say like, uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid and I would sell chocolate bars for my baseball team and they were always really bad chocolate bars. <laughs> it's whatever and, you got to sell. Right. And yeah. your neighbors would buy them one time to support your team or whatever, but then they would never buy that that chocolate bar again. So I wanted to make sure that the chocolate bar I was selling, the coffee, was going to keep you coming back. So we were going to get customers in the door just to try us out because they want to support our cause. Of course, yeah. Then when they actually try the coffee, they're like, oh my God, that's the best coffee. And, and we do have, I think, some of the best coffee in Ottawa. Uh, and just to give you an idea, you know, our ethics 
don't just stop at our hiring, but also at our sourcing. So uh, the coffee farmers we work directly with are the same farmers on our menu year in, year out. You've, you know, if you look at yourself, like it's the same name on that coffee bag because we buy from them every year. We have genuine relationships with them and we pay the farmers uh, a higher farm gate than, than is usual for most other coffee roasters. So that's something that's really important to me too, is to make sure that the complete value chain is um, ethical and is quality driven. That is my next question. So it's a really good so segue. Uh, you can unpack that a little bit sure. more with, you know, what's something in your business that you do choose to do the hard way. I think we've covered a few things already. <laughs> yeah, everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and of course, why? Like, yeah. why do you continue to do things for sure uh, in a, a more challenging way? Yeah. And I think so, you know, like a lot of uh, coffee businesses as they as they scale up, uh, the first thing they kind of do is start to dip in quality because, uh, it's easier to source coffee from a big company that's just going to get the coffee for you. That's going to give you a cheaper price on kind of mechanically dry. You're like, our margins are going to be great here. Yeah. yeah. So and that's, and that's what, the next and even then, like even some like specialty coffee roasters, right. They necessarily don't put in the effort in and the, and the money into sourcing the way we do. So I would say for us, yeah, it would have been a lot easier had I just bought cheaper coffee, right? I don't think we would have been as successful because the coffee wouldn't have tasted as good and I wouldn't have felt as good about the product. Yes, yeah, so that's really important to me is just to make sure that like we're sourcing coffee uh, ethically and that we can really stand behind every bag and every bean of coffee that we source. So that was always something that's like definitely a harder way to do it. But I think in the end, it's it's better for our business. Uh, and, and that's something that, you know, we're always going to stay true to. So, you know, whenever I get approached by big grocery chains and that kind of stuff being like, you know, we're interested in being can we on scale ourselves. you up? We want yeah, to buy it's just, it's just cases or pallets. Yeah, it just doesn't fit with my model because they want such cheap coffee, right? Mm -hmm. And like ethics aren't cheap, quality isn't cheap. So for me, I just can't bend like that, right? I can't, if I'm not gonna wanna drink the coffee, I don't wanna sell the coffee. Right, right. Yeah. So, and I'd say like everything we do is is hard as a small business. We always try and find ways to, um, you know, save costs where we can, but I always wanna make sure that I have um, jobs for my employees. So instead of buying a machine that fills the bags automatically, we fill the bags by hand. So things like that okay. where, you know, there'd be easier ways of doing things and automating things. I just don't wanna go down that route, or at least not yet if it's gonna cost people jobs. Yeah, so the, you're, you're staying true to the purpose, the original uh, vision for and, sure, yeah. and motivation for the business. Um, but are you able to keep things profitable to be able to reinvest? Yeah. I mean, like I always say, like, uh, our coffee is too expensive is one of the, like what we have in the back of our t-shirts. <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of lean into that because I think that coffee should be expensive. A lot of people have this notion it should that be like, the true cost, right? Yeah. yeah. So it should, it should be, you know, equitable to what you're paying for. And, and, you know, while inflation rises, people still have this notion that coffee should still just cost like 10 or 12 bucks a pound. Like it seems like inflation doesn't affect coffee prices, right? Which is a absurd uh inflation definitely affects coffee prices we've had yeah wild increases in our costs well fuel costs for one thing yeah everything and and then the the, the the materials for the farmers and then the producers so so yeah of course costs are up for us uh and and we still find ways to to make our business profitable so we we, we ask a, a higher price for a coffee than you're going to get at, at loblaws or anything like that but the quality is going to be better the ethics are going to be better so you're just going to get what you pay for at the end of the day as easy as that is to say uh um, and it's hard for us. Sometimes I don't want to necessarily sell certain bags for that much, but when I'm paying the farmer a high farm gate price, 
we just aren't getting the coffee as cheap as some people are even selling the coffee. Like some of our green beans are just really expensive. That's just the reality. There's a huge education component to this. And you're one of those businesses I would think of first when it comes to consumers learning about the true costs of things um, and in a good way, like because everybody or a lot of people that we work with and, and our customers at Maker House, they also value that social enterprise model, that community model. And they they want to shop somewhere they know uh, is paying, you know, fair prices, fair wages uh, yeah. and building up local suppliers and makers. So this leads to our, our next question. Our last question for this first segment is about the cost of convenience. Yeah. And what's something you can think of that other people do the easy way and what might be the hidden cost of that? Because, you know, you mentioned the reason it costs more is because you're paying the true cost. of Right. Things. Yeah. And I think like just to lead in from the last thing, I think some other other competition, you know, there's there's a few roasters in Ottawa that I buy coffee from as well and that are doing things the right way. There's a lot, too, that are taking those shortcuts. So for them, the cost of convenience is buying from large multinationals, buying cheaper coffee, buying blended coffee. Like all our coffees are mostly single producer coffee. So our coffees are fully traceable, whereas their coffees will just say a country on the bag, whereas ours has a name on the bag and right. a variety on the bag. So I would say the cost to them you know, of convenience is higher margins and easier sourcing. But I do think that a customers who want ethics are going to see that that coffee bag just says the origin. Guatemala. Is, yeah, yeah. And with no other information and no other tangible traceability of the coffee. Um, and I think they're also going to taste that difference, too. Like if you put our coffee next to those coffees, like our coffee is going to be more unique, uh, more profile driven, also because we're uh, roasting the coffee a little lighter than a lot of other roasters, too. So that's going to preserve a lot of the flavor. Oh, nice. Um, but at the end of the day, just, you know, it's a single variety of coffee. So instead of having a bag full of different apples, you have one apple so you can taste that like traceability. You can taste yeah. what that actual coffee variety is giving you flavor wise. Right. So I think that um, is one thing that other people are doing for cost convenience that will cost them in the end. But at the same time, like I don't want to play like we're like ethical in everything we do, like as much as ethics drives our business, sometimes the convenience of shopping from an Amazon or shopping from Uline where um, it's the only kind of way I can get that thing I need for that event by tomorrow is going to Amazon or going to Uline versus trying to source it myself and paying, you know, local business more or that kind of thing. So that to me kind of goes against our ethics, right? goes against like supporting these big companies, but sometimes it is a necessary evil. So I think that like, as much as I like get on my like moral ethical high horse, there's also things in our business that we're also evaluating and, and questioning if, if we're doing it as ethical as we could be. So I think that's part of business is balance. Like you can't always do everything um, the way you intended to or the way you want to for cost. Or we don't live in an ideal world. Yeah and, yeah. and especially when you're a small business, like it's always funny when, small businesses are asked to be more ethical than big businesses, right? So it's like, That's how come our ethics are put more under the microscope than Amazon or Loblaws yeah. ethics, right? So it's like, they have the they profit margins. Yeah, and they yeah. have the money to do things more ethically, but they are just looking at their shareholder bottom line, right? Yeah. So small businesses, the onus is on us to be more ethical, even though we can't really afford to do everything as ethical as we want to, but we still eat into our margins and, and eat into our own kind of like work-life balance just to make sure we can attain those ethics. I think you should hold businesses to ethical standards, but I think you should hold all businesses to ethical standards. And it's, there's a bit of a stigma that exists for social enterprises where, you know, people think we're just a charity. Um, and I think the stigma shouldn't be on social enterprise. I think the stigma should be on other companies who aren't pursuing things ethically or right. not pursuing a lot of their avenues ethically. So the, 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 the or they have the resources right. and 
a lot of room to grow totally, in terms yeah. of ethical business practices. Yeah. Um, really good point. Uh, and we could probably unpack a whole other podcast <laughs> on, you know, why aren't big businesses doing better? Right. Uh, I also think uh, the life of a barista is probably a podcast and we should sure, probably yeah. spin that one off too. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a little bit of cool. break and then come back. So please stay tuned. And by the way, if you've been watching or listening to our podcast, please do like and share it. Um, subscribe if you can. It's going to help us get a feel for whether we should do another season. We're, we're wrapping up our first season here with Will today. So uh, stay tuned for our second segment coming up with the Artery Community Roasters. Welcome back to Why Bother? I'm here, Gareth from Maker House with Will from the Artery. Let's dive back in for our second segment. We're going to start with a not so fun fact about the coffee industry and actually the, the artery coffee roasters specifically. Um, unemployment rate for people with disabilities is double, sometimes probably even more, uh, what it would be for someone without disabilities. And uh, they tend to get paid less, anywhere from 5 to 25% less for the same job. So tell us how this relates to your business, your industry, or just, you know, general employment. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, there's so many barriers that exist for people with disabilities to enter the workforce. And uh, there's just a, it's just unequitable with the, you know, the skill set and the perspectives people with disabilities have, especially in this climate where people are so desperate for employees, yet they still have more than double uh, the employment rates, people with unemployment rates, people with disabilities. So there's something wrong there, right? We have these talented people with unique perspectives who want to work and they just aren't getting the opportunities. And also when, when layoffs do come around, they're routinely the, the first people to be let go. So, you know, those kind of issues drive me to uh, keep doing what we're doing. And a big part of our mission too is yes, to hire people with disabilities, but to also convince other businesses that they too can do what we're doing. Break the stigma down. Yeah. Like, Cause I, I think the perception is they couldn't do it as well because they have a disability or this work isn't accessible. Right. Like you need to be able to be stand up. Right. Or, yeah. And like, and I think that like the big thing for me is not only is this the right thing to do, but it's also good for your business. So some people need to just be convinced on a pure business perspective. Right. Uh, unfortunately, it's just the the way that a lot of you know business minds work. And, and I always tell people like, A, you can do this and it'll be good for your business. So not only will you be helping people and giving them a sense of self-worth and giving them like real meaningful employment, but your, your actual clientele will appreciate that you are trying to also give back to the community and also give people opportunities and remove remove barriers. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's something called the hiring chain, which started in the UK, which is essentially, um, trying to just convince other businesses that like, Hey, look, we're high people with disabilities. You can too. And then just to kind of keep that going, because unfortunately the artery will never be big enough that we can hire as many people as we truly would like. So my goal is just to try and kind of create something locally and, and ideally eventually nationally where we're showing other businesses that you too can do what we're doing and it will help your bottom line and it will help people. So I think it's not that hard of a, of a notion, but it's just like you said, removing that stigma. And, and I have lots of friends who are like good people and good business people. And they just say, Oh, we love what you're doing. We just could never do it ourselves. And I tell them you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have any examples where a, a job was perceived as not accessible for someone with disabilities and, and you got to help them turn it around? You know, going back to the barista, uh, yeah. angle, you know, Bristol is such a hard job. And a lot of people would think that people with disabilities 
could not be baristas, but we work with, uh, for instance, uh, a Kingston, your, your old stopping grounds, yeah, coffee shop called Bloom Skills Cafe at the Bloom Skills Center. And uh, all their staff are people with developmental disabilities and they are baristas and they are making coffee and they are crushing rushes, as we say in the barista world. And, and they're doing all the things that any other barista would do. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing it really well. So I think that like, it's just a matter of giving people opportunity. And, and, you know, I get the question a lot too, from people saying like, what are the, the challenges of hiring people with disabilities? And I say, they're the same challenges you would get with hiring any staff. You know, sometimes staff will be sick. Sometimes staff may not be as good as a, one aspect of their job as another job, right. regardless Just of training in have, general. Yeah. yeah morale. And, yeah. And I think yeah. and something too, that some business owners forget is they say, Oh, I can never have people with disabilities. And I'm like, you probably have hired people with disabilities. Like, <laughs> there's a lot point. of invisible disabilities. So it's yeah. not just someone in a wheelchair who's disabled. There is a huge spectrum of disabilities. So I always say like, you have probably hired people on your staff with disabilities and just yeah. didn't know about it or didn't realize it. So it's one of those things where I think it's uh, a small little hurdle, but it's an insurmountable hurdle in some ways because clearly the, the it stats- It feels that way. Yeah, yeah but I think yeah. it's something that can easily be done and, and hopefully we can start putting the, you know, the the-, the the wheels in motion to help other businesses do what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and that they too can kind of like spread that hiring train that we're trying to, uh, trying to do. Yeah. I, I love that. I love when you find like a bridge uh, that, that clicks a light bulb for people. And, and you just did that for me, which was you've already got people who are dealing with challenges, whether that's sickness or mental health and other challenges that any employee will bring to the yeah. table. Um, so just think of it in those terms and, address you know what's in front of you right uh, to make the the job work or not right yeah. like and like there will just be just like regular employees it can also not work out for, for any sorts of reasons for sure related and, or not to the disability and you have sure. to be committed you have to make sure that you're willing to make your space more accessible and right and, and luckily now like the, the government is funding more um grants to help businesses do that kind of stuff and they're not always the easiest to get uh you know it's the paperwork and, and making sure your, your your timing for applications is lined up but it is coming it's it, it, you know that, that kind of funding exists so i would say why not try as a business to make your space more accessible to make your staff more diverse and inclusive like it's it's only going to be better for society and your own business too so. yeah what can people do just to put a fine point on that? Is it best to like message you directly if they're looking for advice on this or is there more of like a, a structured place that doesn't take up all your time? Yeah, so I would like definitely I'm always willing to uh, answer questions from from small businesses and medium businesses, medium sized businesses. But I would say like reach out to an organization like Live, Work, Play, a great organization. So, I mean, they'll do a lot of the heavy lifting for you and, yeah. and they'll find the right fit for you. And so those type of organizations are out there and, and worthy of your time for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that resource as well yeah. so live work play check that out we'll put a link down below in the um, description so for folks watching listening check that out uh, you have another not so fun fact related more to the supply chain of coffee yeah um, so go ahead and yeah share so that. i mean I, I think something to to remember is uh you know the people who are actually making the coffee like as roasters our job is to take this beautiful green bean that we get directly from farmers we work with and not mess it up to make sure that we can preserve all the flavor and really highlight how amazing this coffee is but those people the producers and the farmers and their staff the people who are doing the bulk of the work in the coffee industry are severely underpaid across the board. Over 80% of uh, the world's coffee farmers live below the poverty line and are food insecure. Wow. So, I mean, just to give you in perspective, like uh, it is such a tough business and it's only getting harder. And they're just at the bottom of the food chain. So when it comes to- And it's outsourced, so it's it's a blind spot. Yeah, like, and especially- Nobody you, sees that day to day. And the thing is like, so when you're dealing with a company that's truly kind of engaged in direct trade model, 
they're going to get more of that. So the price of that bag, they're going to get more of that cost of the bag. Whereas the bigger companies and, and, and the less ethical coffee roasters, they're just so far removed from that purchase of the coffee bag. They are getting such a small fraction of it. Um, so it's really sad. So I would say for us, a big, uh, part of our business is to ensure that we're paying the farmers we work with and have general relationships with, uh, what they're worth. And I'd still say we're not paying them enough like if it were up to me our bags would be even more expensive so i could pay farmers even more yeah Yeah. i love that part of your mission um and thanks for highlighting that i think that's something blind spot people are generally aware of but as a a quick you know when you're busy thing that you can do to pay attention to this it sounds like maybe just looking at the detail the origin on the bag yeah um and looking for stamps i'm guessing like well this i mean fair trade can be really like greenwashing kind of yeah totally and i'd say Number one thing is like buy from a local business, buy from a local roaster where you can ask them questions, where you can go on their web. If you go on our website for each product, it is a wealth of information about who grew it, the yeah. processing involved, like yeah. all the steps involved. Like if a roaster or a business is not giving you that information, it's either because they don't know it or they're kind of ashamed of the they're traceability. Hiding it. It's yeah. a red flag. Yeah. So I would say just ask questions. It's not hard. Like I think there's a bit of a cognitive dissonance or people are just kind of like disconnect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is like, if you truly care about ethics, yeah, it's it's not hard to find out which companies are going to do it. It's the information age, people. Yeah, the information is out there. (laughs) Ask for it. All right. I like it. Uh, A little pivot here to more of a personal background. So tell us, you know, growing up, who was your biggest supporter and and why would you pick that person? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely start with my parents who uh, were both kind of awesome uh, people and 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 both of them, you know, my mom was a career public servant who worked her way up to becoming the head auditor of the United Nations. So very oh, wow. like career driven, very remarkable woman. And um, sure have a big influence on you. For sure. And just like her hard work relations. and just kind of like never turning, you know, maybe to my detriment, never turning off that that work switch. <laughs> and my dad also cares uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because she was a career public servant. My dad always told me, don't become a public servant, which I <laughs> didn't listen to. But his big thing was uh, you can start a business that also uh, that makes you money, but also gives back. So his big thing was like, use your privilege to give back to people. So that's something that I truly believe in. I'm a very fortunate person. Yeah. Um, Get the best of both worlds. I have a good job, you know, everything. So like, for me, it's like, how can I make this world just slightly better? Like I don't have grand illusions that I'm changing anything, but even if I can just do little things and get five or six people employment and, and, and do little things, get farmers uh, more equitable pay, that's something that I can, you know, helps me sleep at night, I guess. Uh, and then another person too, is my wife who, uh, apart from like having like in the early year, in the early years of this business, helping me with like stamping and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, it uh, takes a village. Yeah. Definitely. And, but the big thing for her, for me that she kind of connected me with was, uh, volunteering. So she's always been a good person and, and finding ways to give back. Uh, and she got me involved with able to, as uh, formerly citizen oh, advocacy. Nice. And, and from then I just kind of, I got the bug of, of wanting to kind of do something for this community. So she's a huge inspiration to me in terms of like setting me on this path and just showing me like how to be a good person. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. And, and so your, your family growing up had these values, your family today has these values and, uh, um, it's a big part of who you are, obviously. Yeah. Um, I actually, in Kingston, I went to high school with Laura, who is your wife's sister. Yeah. Their mother is is Mary, who sadly passed away from uh, a rare blood cancer yeah. a few years ago. 
Um, but you turned that into inspiration for a fundraising coffee. So tell yeah. us a bit about that. Yeah, one of our coffees, which you can buy at Maker House, is called Mary's Finest. Uh, and it's a coffee uh, named after my mother-in-law, Mary. And um, uh, so $2 from each bag goes to the lymphoma and... and um, Leukemia Society of Canada, and uh, we uh, in December we'll have raised five thousand bucks. So really Amazing. like awesome uh, initiative for us, and and something that we hope to like we'll always have that bag on offer, and something that we hope to keep growing, and and one day uh, be able to keep funding kind of uh, research and blood cancer. Yeah. So. 5,000 is an amazing yeah, start, you know, like sure, just yeah, a couple years yeah. into that, that bag. So Mary's finest, keep an eye out for that. Not just to make her house, you can buy direct from the artery as well. What is that a light roast Mary's finest? So that one's really interesting. Cause it's uh so most of our coffees are not blended. We really try and have a uh, single varietal coffee. So when you look at our coffees, it'll be one variety, uh, one farmer or a, a one small co-op. We don't deal with big co-ops. Um, but in this instance, it's a blend that I've made. So it's a, a light roast bean and a medium roast bean. So both of okay. those beans are- One of your rare blends, yeah. Yeah, so both of those beans are fully traceable beans. So it's not like a blended lot as the, as you know most other coffee is. So it's still two fully traceable beans that we blended together in a light and medium roast. So you get a bit of that like um, nice malic acids from the light roast and more of that like caramel chocolatey from the medium roast. Yeah, okay. so it's super okay. nice, yeah, super easy to drink. Love it. And yeah. and it's quite popular as well. Um, it's almost the best seller, but we have uh, something called the Stephen Hawk bean. Yeah. Dark black hole, the black hole roast. The yeah. Black hole roast. Yeah. yeah. So um, first of all, why did you name it after Stephen Hawking? Yeah. So we, um, a lot of our coffees are named after people with disabilities. Uh, the majority of them actually. So just to kind of keep with our ethos and, yeah. and also like people love a catchy name to be honest with yeah, you. I've, yeah. had, I've had people at markets and stuff buy the Stephen Hawk bean uh, just for the name. I tell them it's a dark roast. And they're like, I don't like dark roast, but I like, <laughs> I like that name so much. I'm going to buy the coffee. So yeah. obviously part of it's marketing and branding, but for us, it's also just kind of naming the coffee after people who inspire us. So Stephen Hawking, we have our first crack to the future named after uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. We have Superfly named for Curtis Mayfield. I put a spell on brew after Simone. We have a lot of we have a lot of coffees all named at people with disabilities. Yeah, um, and a great sense of humor in there. Too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, puns. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Can you do it in a quick nutshell for for people who are like me? I'm I'm not a coffee drinker, but I am going to taste some artery coffee here on the show. So stay tuned for that. My wife hates coffee. Oh yeah, <laughs> Kate, I hear you, Kate. Yeah. Uh, what is the difference in a nutshell between light, medium, and dark roast? Yeah, because so I, mean, I think there's a lot of misconceptions for sure. And I, you know, I think a lot of people think that dark roast is like jet fuel and kind of gets you going and it's kind of a misnomer like dark roast actually has less caffeine in than light roast because you're roasting it longer so you're taking out all that stuff but for us dark um, just means roasted longer yeah um the lighter we roast coffees the more of the flavor of the coffee you're going to preserve. So for us uh, in the specialty coffee world, we call it third wave coffee. It's it's roasting lighter just because it's like wine. You're getting all those tasting notes that you're not going to get from a darker roasted coffee. That's not to say a dark roast coffee can't be great. I always say like drink whatever roast level you want as long as you're buying ethical coffee to right. do it. Yeah. And our dark roast is not going to be nearly as dark as like a Starbucks dark, which has lots of oil on the bean is really burnt in my opinion. Okay. And it tastes really roasty. Uh, whereas our dark is probably more like a medium at a lot of other places. But in a nutshell, it's just how long it's roasted for. So most of our coffees tend to be on the lighter spectrum. But our bestseller is the Stephen Hawk bean. So Ottawa loves their dark roast. But we're just trying to show that there's a way of doing dark roast that can still preserve some flavor. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. Um, and it really opens a world of possibilities. It's like infinite 
flavor profiles, I'm right, sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Just before we wrap up this second segment, uh, I want to ask you, because obviously you support local. Why do you shop local, Will? What yeah, does it do I, for, I think for you? I there's two reasons. One, there's an actual person behind that business. So it's not just some faceless uh, corporation that's just trying to like rob you of your hard-earned money there's an actual person who depends on that job and who loves what they're doing so when you're supporting a local business and and i always say like when it comes to supporting local support the right local like not just because a business is local doesn't mean it's going to be ethical so actual person behind that who's making that product who's put so much of their like heart and soul and energy into that product so that's pretty amazing where you're like eating something or wearing something or something that's like just been crafted by someone and not just uh, you know, overseas large scale production. Uh, and then secondly, I think just from the quality perspective, if, you know, like if something is going to be made local from an artisan and someone who loves what they're doing, it'll probably taste better uh, it'll, or, or feel better or whatever it is. More love and care. It goes yeah. So I think it's just going to be a better product. So for me, it's like, why wouldn't you support local if you have the means to do so? And I get that for some people, our coffee is too expensive. I totally understand that. And uh, not everyone can kind of, um, budget that or buy ethics through their wallet i I totally understand that but there's a lot of people who can afford that bag of coffee or who can afford to support that local who still would rather just go and support galen weston right so i think there's like there's that kind of nuance where some people kind of just take that convenience or just maybe don't think about how their dollar can really uh help uh small business survive because a lot of small businesses are struggling and you know covid uh really kind of put a dent in a lot of businesses and a lot yeah. of my friends are still really struggling rent is through the roof so i mean uh i think just supporting them with your dollar and not just like your instagram like which is great like supporting them in other avenues is fantastic but buy their products it'll really help people you know? yeah that's a good point i think we're still in a critical phase post covid there's a recovery happening but interest rates are super high there's loans left over from covid that are yeah. coming up the government's going to be calling in that money um that money that was like oh it's free and it's just free yeah. three years ago yeah well no now you got to pay it back yeah. and there's a, a like crazy number of small businesses that are like how am i going to do that yeah um so any purchase is going to help with that. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts on why shop local. Yeah. And uh, we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back for our final segment where we're going to sample some coffee. If you are watching on YouTube or listening uh, wherever you get your podcasts, please do like and share the podcast. Subscribe if you can. So we know uh, we want to do a second season here of why bother as we wrap up our first season with an awesome uh, session here with the artery. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. everybody welcome back i'm your host for why bother here gareth davies from maker house with will from the artery and we're going to hop right back into our third and final segment this is our final segment of the year for the why bother podcast so thank you all for tuning in or watching if you've been watching on youtube if you haven't seen all our other episodes i encourage you to binge during this holiday week when hopefully you've got some time to rest also want to give a special shout out to our co-producers emily smithers is behind the camera Emily, give a little hi hi <laughs> jack jack stanley is on the audio Hello. And these are our social media manager and our assistant manager in store. But most importantly, they are the co-producers of the Why Bother podcast. So you have them to thank. And uh, I thank them both for helping me through this journey. Uh, Also, a special shout out to Sean McDonnell from 
Do More Cool Shit Studios. That is where we are located in Hintonburg. And let's dive right in. For those listening, um, we're going to do our best to describe the flavors. We're about to taste some artery coffee on the spot. So if you can watch on YouTube, go for it. And I don't drink coffee. So this would be kind of interesting. So if Gareth makes a face, it's not the coffee, it's Gareth. So disclaimer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you bring for us? So I brought us some experimental coffee. So most coffees are wash coffee. So in a nutshell, they take, we call it coffee a bean, but it's really a seed inside a cherry. They take the cherry off, they wash it through water then they kind of dry it on on beds and that's where kind of the fermentation happens for lack of a better detailed explanation but with these experimental coffees they'll leave the cherry on the coffee throughout the process and they'll also put them in these big vats so this is a natural anaerobic coffee so they put them in these big vats where they get uh, no oxygen so they get really funky and fermented so you're going to taste um some berries in this coffee and you're going to taste some chocolate but not what you would typically think of as chocolate and coffee it's going to be a funky chocolate so i love berries and chocolate uh, the reason I don't like coffee or I'm a tea drinker is because yeah. I find it sort of bitter. And For sure. Yeah, this uh, is not going to be bitter. So, okay. you know, I've probably just been drinking the wrong coffee. I so. think you have. Yeah. So mm. pour me a little sugar there. I think. Yeah. Can't wait to try to smell it. No, it does smell really good. I do smell the chocolate. For sure. And that's um, not so smelling just, berries yet, but that's probably more. And it's because like so it's a blend I made with uh, two coffees. So our first crack to the future, which mm. is the one I named after Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So that one's kind of taking it over a bit because it has such deep chocolatey funky notes. But that berry note will come at the end. So, so. this first crack to the future mixed blended with, with Superfly. Superfly. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. You know, not as bad as I was expecting. <laughs> I'm going to put that in the bag. <laughs> that's, that's, our, that's our new uh, tagline. Yeah. Not as bad as I was expecting. I think if I, you know, went, uh, doubled this up with some cream and add some sugar, it's going to be a <laughs> nice latte. Yeah, but so this one, you can really like taste like that funky chocolate off the beginning. So it's like, it's chocolate, oh, but yeah. it almost makes you kind of like... There's some question. natural sweetness to that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, it's funny. People often describe coffee or lighter coffees as sweet. I tend to prefer the term fruity because it's always like, like for bright, some, brightness. Yeah. yeah. For, brightness for some people saying the word sweet may like kind of throw them off a bit because it's not sweet. It's yeah. coffee, yeah. but there's definitely like berry notes and like fruity kind of juicy notes. Also yeah. the texture of coffee is going to be something you want to take in mind. So is it something that's going to coat your mouth and have mm-hmm. a thick mouth feel? It's not bitter. No, it's definitely not bitter. No. Even our dark roast is not bitter. Bitter Bitterness comes from over roasted coffee. And I think people kind of um, confuse um, acids and bitterness. Okay. Acid in coffee is a good thing. So lighter roast coffees will have different types of acids like citric acid, like think of a lemon or malic acids. Think of a pear or a a watermelon. Um, Whereas bitterness is just like that that over roasted kind of like make you kind of squish your face together. You're not going to get that off a really nice acidic coffee. So people kind of confuse the two and say, I don't like light roast. It's too acidic. You may not like acidic coffee, but it's or it's too bitter, uh, but it's not bitter. It's the acids. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm learning so much. And this is the furthest I've ever gone into a cup of coffee. I think I've had like five sips for those who are listening. Can you feel the acids in the back of your mouth when you're when you're drinking it? 
I think so. Is yeah. that what that is? That's acid. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like, that's like the same sensation you get if you were eating like an apple, you kind of get like the, okay. the back of that tingling in the back yeah, of your yeah, palate. Yeah. That's the same kind of acid you're getting from the coffee. Yeah. It, it tastes like really good quality, like a complex profile. I'm not someone who is going to like pick hey, up on all the complex notes. profile. That's impressive right there. But so. yeah, I know lots of big words. <laughs> um, as Will said earlier on the break, I am verbose. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why this, this session's running so long. It's a yeah. special extended <laughs> podcast for the holiday right. season. <laughs> but this is the furthest I've gone. And there's a, like that chocolate note. Is there a nuttiness in there as well? Or is that just like the berries maybe? Yeah. I mean, no, this one I think would, I would describe more as just like uh, a really kind of like fudgy chocolate. So maybe okay. that nuttiness is coming from that really fudgy chocolatey. So I, I always thought having kids would get me into coffee because right. that's what a lot of people say, right. you know, with the early mornings or lack of sleep. And it didn't like it. didn't. Right. Yeah. Kids didn't break me uh, yeah. into coffee, at least. So hey, it's not for everyone. I get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people are just not going to get into coffee, but uh, I think it's the best. This so. might be it, though. Well, we'll see. Right. I, maybe maybe I've come this far and right. I'll stubbornly, you know, not want to get into coffee. It's, well, so um, now let's let's try this uh, chocolate with the coffee. So then you'll yeah, also notice how it impacts the, the cup of the coffee. Okay, yeah. bonus tasting. So we do have uh, some chocolate from the store. It is by Fractals. Uh, and, and Fractals are basically a butter crunch. So it's a chocolate with like a cracker um, or caramel and some nuts as well. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Now take a sip of coffee. They know what they're doing. That's That's really good, though. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Do you like the fractals? I like it. Yeah. I like the name too. I was just, I was trying to joke with your staff about, uh, it reminded me of uh, Battlestar Galactica. They'd always say frack instead of the F word. And then they're too young <laughs> to even know what Battlestar Galactica is. So I feel really old again. But uh, other than nice. that, yeah. Yeah. That's a good pairing. You can yeah, just pick, for a, sure. pick a bag of artery, a little fractals gift box and, um, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for bringing that in and for uh, bearing with me as a, essentially like a coffee virgin, someone who doesn't really, Enjoy the flavor, but right. um, and I'm sure coffee lovers out there are going to taste the quality of the early roast. Yeah, uh, we're going to move on, and I want to ask you since it is the holiday season, um, you know, s- celebrating Christmas, or uh, I believe you said you're Jewish, so yeah, you celebrate maybe Hanukkah. What's your what do you do around this time of year? What's your favorite activity? Yeah, so I am a Jew, but I I always say that like no one does Christmas like Jews. I I, <laughs> uh, I don't celebrate Hanukkah. I just go all into uh to christmas so i love i love christmas i like i like beg my wife to like put up the decorations by like november 1st i love christmas so for me yeah i bring it on i love the season i love uh buying gifts for people and eating food and playing in the snow gorging I love, out yeah. yeah playing hockey like, i just love all the things that kind of come along with the season and uh yeah even though like as a kid i remember like we would do hanukkah and i would just be waiting for christmas but at the same so whatever reason i just love christmas but yeah. i didn't know what a yule log was but uh yeah but in my defense we were talking about during the break and uh Français, you it's know a bush de Noël. Like so I, as a Quebecer, I live in Quebec. I know it's a bush de Noël. So the Yule log just threw me off. I love. I'm gonna go back and say I love bush de Noël. Okay. I'm back on. We bother. Yeah, with I Yule definitely logs. bother. I feel bad. It but, is not a fruitcake, people. Yeah, yeah. Go get yourself a Yule log. Yeah, cake in the form of of wood. I'm into it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, awesome. So uh, we're gonna wrap things up, but for, before we do that, what is the uh, we like to call point of connection? So. How does human connection factor into your business? I think we've talked about this, but maybe yeah. put a point point on it for us. I think like, I mean, for me, like this business is about 
the people I get to work with and the people that we get to uh, sell coffee to. So, you know, obviously my staff, like I have such a deep uh, appreciation and deep love for my staff. One of my staff uh, has been my best friend since we were four years old. So getting to go to work with your best friend is always that's amazing, so cool. Amazing Since you were thing. four, amazing. Yeah, so Jim. So uh, yeah, shout out to Jim who does a lot for this business. And, and and it's all my staff are just like so happy to come to work. Like, I do think that they enjoy their time and we like to get pizza at lunch and all that kind of fun stuff. It's so refreshing um, to hear that, right? Yeah, yeah. so I think I do this, you know, like for myself, like I don't take a salary from this job. So what I get out of it selfishly is those human connections and getting to connect with farmers. We just had um, a Snyder, the, the farmer who grew this coffee, just visited us from Columbia at the roastery. It's first time in Canada. And that was an incredible experience wow. getting to connect with someone who's growing the coffee and who has been such an And can integral taste the part. finished product. Yeah, too. totally. Right. Yeah. It's such an integral part of, of the business. Uh, so that's incredible. And also just like I love connecting with people. Uh, other makers and other businesses. Yeah. I love connecting with our, 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 our customers at, at, uh, markets. at markets yeah. and getting to do all like my bad dad jokes. So like all those connections are kind of what makes all the hours standing in front of a roaster worth it because standing in front of a roaster for 20 hours a week is a lot of, is a lot of time. You gotta you know? be finding some joy. Yeah. In, uh, so like, you know, ways, yeah. I always say like, Small business is partly ego too. Like I think that if you really love your business and you really love your product, like that kind of becomes a part of you too. So it does kind of become part of your ego for better or for worse. Right. So for me, those connections to the people that I work with, to the people that I source coffee from, to the people that I sell coffee to are what kind of make all that labor worth it. It's the core of uh, the artery. It's the, and that's why communities write in your name as well. So, um, Kudos to you. We're honored to work with you. And thanks for for being part of Maker House as well. Thanks for supporting us from uh, the get-go. Yeah. Also echoing a lot of uh, you know, the reasons for why Maker House and why we do what we do. Um, so where can people find the artery as we go into a new year into 2024 and wrap up 2023? Uh, where's the best place for people to follow you or what, you know, what do you yeah, have? Uh, what are you on, looking forward to this year? Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, we have a really amazing Instagram account uh, where we do a lot of disability advocacy. I probably don't post enough stuff about you the do, actual you products. Well, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I was like, my staff's always like, you need to post that. more about the coffee. I'm like, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. We, need to, we need to sell the, the coffee. But yeah, it really is about like the advocacy and helping people kind of like, uh, you know, watch their ableist language and learn more about the disabled community. So that's really important to me. And uh, big things are happening for us. We're moving to a new location uh, this month or next month. Like we're, we've taken over a new location around Amazing. the corner from us. So you're growing so, in a new yeah, space. Yeah, we'll have a bigger machine soon so we can kind of pump out our output. We'll have a space where we can host uh, cupping sessions, so tasting sessions. So a lot of great things happening. So for us, it's uh, the next year is about expanding while well, maintaining those ethics and maintaining that quality. So, yeah. Amazing. So yeah, follow the area on Instagram, uh, get in touch with the people behind the business, find them at Canatech road. Yeah. There's still the same area. It's just a new location and find them at maker house and other great shops. 100%, in yeah. Ottawa. So thank you so much everybody for tuning into our podcast and thank you to all of our guests like will Thanks, for coming on. Uh, it's been a great season. Uh, We hope to see you next year. Be sure to like and share and subscribe to the podcast so we know that there is interest out there. And also, again, thanks to our co-producers, Emily Smithers and Jack Stanley, for making this happen. Um, We will see you all hopefully next year. And uh, be sure to go back and check out all the episodes if you haven't yet. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) 